We started a series a couple of weeks ago, and we started talking about a new command. We talked about how that, that Jesus came, to, came and said, I give you a new command. You, you know about all the old things, the things that are in the law, but, but I have a, a new command. And we begin to talk about how that, that there's things in, that we must do if we're going to be like him. And if we're going to, to do what he asks us to do and love people the way that we're supposed to love people, then we have to know how much that he loves us. And so the first week we talked about that. Last week we talked about loving the lost. And I ask you the question, when was the last time that you lost sleep over someone who was lost? When was the last time that it bothered you so much that you couldn't think about anything else, that it was so important to you, that person that you knew that didn't know God? And we looked at that if we're going to be like Jesus, who loved the lost, who came to seek and to save those who were lost, then we had to get to a point that we were concerned about what he was concerned about. We must be willing to go into their world. We must be willing to listen to their questions, listen to their pain, listen to their hurts, just as Jesus did with the woman at the well. Jesus listened to her issues. He listened to her questions. He stepped into her world. He was willing to, to do something that no one else would have done. And we looked at that three things that we must do. We must, realize, we must begin to care about those who's, who are lost. We must be aware of those around us who are lost. And then we must dare to share with those who are lost. So this week we want to look at another group of people that Jesus said we must love. Loving our neighbor. Now when I say the word neighbor, you probably immediately think of that crazy person that lives beside you. Or that nosy person. Anybody have a nosy neighbor? I've had people come to me and complain to me about their neighbors before. Now, if you live beside somebody that's here, this row over here, they live really close. That snobby neighbor, that person that, that just doesn't give you the time of day. Some people blame the lack of, of genuine community anymore on the invention of the air conditioner. Because it used to be back when Andy and Barney were on TV, that people would sit on the front porch because they wanted to catch a breeze. They wanted to cool off from the heat of the day. So they would sit on their porch and, and people would talk to each other. They actually knew their neighbors. They would wave at their neighbors. People would stop by just to have a cup of coffee or a, a cold glass of water. But with the invention of the air conditioner, we don't even need to go outside anymore. We keep our doors closed because our parents drilled into us that we couldn't cool off the whole neighborhood. Attached garages. 
We can pull into our we can pull into our driveway, open up the garage door, pull in, shut it before we ever get out, walk right into our house. We have a front door at our house and it's only used when guests come over. We pull in the garage and we, we close it. We never park in the driveway. Do you want to know why? Because we don't want people to know we're home. If somebody comes to the door, I, th- I think I told you not too long ago, I can pull it up on my phone, see who it is. If I don't want to talk to them, I'm like, be real quiet. Don't move. Caller ID. You now can choose who you want to talk to. It used to be the phone would ring, you would have to pick it up. Now you can look at it, silence it. It's even got to a point now that you don't have to pull your phone out. You can look at your watch. It always makes me nervous because I'm afraid the person calling me is standing across the way. And they could see me look at it and put it back in my pocket. Think of that. It hasn't happened to me because I love you all and I would answer every call. But it could happen. We can even shop online. How many people did Black Friday shopping online? Didn't even have to get out and fight the crowd. Didn't have to talk to anyone. You, your keyboard, your monitor, your cup of coffee. Your pajamas. But Jesus, on the other hand, he always took time to interact with people. He always had time for them. He would talk to them. He would feed them. He would heal them. He would forgive them. He met their physical and their spiritual needs. And if we are too busy to interact or engage with the people around us, then we're not following Christ's example. We're missing out on the blessing of loving and serving our neighbors. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 39, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said the second is like it. Can I tell you the, the, one of the greatest commandments is love. 1 John chapter 4, 20, chapter 4, verse 20 and 21 says this. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see. How can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Out of the 613 commandments in the Old Testament, Jesus locked into two. Found in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 and Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18. When he basically said, love God and love people. Love God and love people. Matthew chapter 22 verse 40 says this. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Loving God and loving people. 
Loving our neighbor as ourself. You see, it's not about loving myself, but it's about loving others. Because it's assumed that we all love ourselves. Now, you can sit there and say, oh, no, I really, I don't think much of myself. But when it comes down to it, you love yourself. I love myself. I'm going to do what I need to do to take care of myself. And it's not a sacrifice taking care of myself. When we prepare food for ourselves, we don't call that a sacrifice. We don't call it serving when we're fixing something at our house. We don't call it helping when we get together with family to fix Thanksgiving dinner. It's because we know how to take care of ourselves. We are going to, to take care of ourselves. So we're not talking about that. We are talking about sacrificing, serving, and taking care of others. Because we all got the first part of loving ourselves down. There's a story found in Luke chapter 10. And it's a story about loving our neighbor. It says, One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Once again, he's concerned about himself. What should I do? What can I do to inherit eternal life? How can I make sure that I'm taken care of? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. So here he asked him. He says, you're asking me how to inherit eternal life. What does the law of Moses say? And he's very quickly able to tell him what it says. And Jesus says, you're right. That's exactly what it says. And then Jesus goes on to tell a story. In verse 30, in reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and he went, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Then Jesus said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? 
And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. You see, in this story, the priest, he didn't want to defile himself. He had sacrifices to offer. So he saw someone in need, and he passed by on the other side. The Levite, he didn't want to stop because he had a temple to manage. He had things to do. He was too busy. So he passed by on the other side. But the Samaritan, the Samaritan had compassion. The Samaritan, the one who is least likely to care about this man, showed compassion. Jesus flips the question here. Jesus flips the question from who is my neighbor to this, who is a neighbor? Who is a neighbor? Asking who is my neighbor limits, and it says my compassion is limited. Because you only have so many neighbors, right? If you're talking about just loving my neighbor, well, you think, well, you know, I've got a couple of people. And some of you have moved all the way out to the country where you can't see another house. You think, man, I'm off the hook. I don't have to worry about it. I ain't got no neighbors. We've got a couple here moving so far out, we may never see them again. I mean, when you start having to dig roads to your house, Something ain't right. There's people in this congregation that you would live underground if you could. I'm not going to call anybody out. But you have told me, man, if I could just build a house underground, there's enough air to breathe. But when we ask who is my neighbor, it begins to, to limit who we are supposed to have compassion for. Limiting who we are supposed to help. Giving us the option to pick and choose. But when we ask, am I a neighbor? That allows us to know that compassion has no limits. Compassion has no limits. Asking, am I a neighbor, says compassion has no limits. When I begin to see myself as a neighbor then it opens up things in my life. Look back to chapter to verse 36 and 37. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the man who had mercy on him. He said, Jesus said, who was a neighbor? Who was it? And then... We begin to look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21 again. And he, once again, outlines the fact that we must love. So this morning I want to look at, for a couple of moments, I'm going to try to get out of here quick before rigor mortis sits in. I went and preached... Last week, last Sunday evening, 
at a friend's church up in Ohio, and I, I told them I'm going to be brief. I thought I was. What was it, 35 minutes? 35 minutes is not bad. I had one of my college friends, as soon as I came out of the pulpit, said, you're a liar. I said, what are you talking about? I thought I had said something wrong. You said you were going to be brief. I said, man, 35 minutes. That never, she said, no, brief is 20 minutes. I said, I haven't even got through my introduction in 20 minutes. So I'm going to try not to be a liar this morning. But one thing about being a neighbor is, a neighbor is compassionate. A neighbor is compassionate. Compassion, the word compassion comes from the word compati, which means to suffer with. Having compassion on someone says, I'm going to suffer with you. I'm going to to try to put myself into your shoes. I care about what you're going through. And so when we have compassion for someone, it's putting passion into our actions. Putting passion into our actions. If you look at Jesus, when it talks about Jesus having compassion on people, you see that he didn't just have compassion, but he did something about it. In Luke chapter 7, he brought a dead man to life. In Matthew chapter 15, he fed the people. In Matthew chapter 14, he healed the sick. In Matthew chapter 20, he healed the blind man. All of these people he had compassion on. But not only did he have compassion, not only did he say, I feel what you're going through. He said, I'm going to put into action. I'm going to put some action into the passion that I'm feeling for you. You see, love is more than just a feeling. My grandma used to look at me and she would say, oh, I love your heart. But when she said that, I knew that she really meant it. I could come home from college and say, man, I haven't been eating. Weighed 300 pounds. She probably looked at me and thought, what have you been doing? I'm hungry. She'd say, I love your heart. But then she just wouldn't sit there. They would hop up and run to the kitchen. Start making up something for me to eat. Too many times we're felt we are guilty of looking at someone and say, I love your heart. And then just going on. Passing them by. The story that Jesus told, it's probably, I'm sure that the people walked by, the two men that walked by, They probably thought, man, that dude's got it bad. But they just kept moving. But when Jesus saw someone and showed love for someone, he took that compassion and put action to it. You can't do the Great Commission without living the Great Commandment. You can't do the Great Commission without living the Great Commandment. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, he writes, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. 
Let us not love with just words. You ever had somebody look at you and tell you that they love you, but you can see right through them? And you're thinking, man, those are just words. Have you ever been guilty of telling someone that you love them, but knowing in your heart that it's just words? Here the writer of John says, don't be guilty of that, of saying I love you just with your speech or with your words, but it says with truth and action. And when we begin to look at the outreach, all the outreaches that we do here at Gateway, it's not about sacrificing. There's several of you who have, have signed up to help with our Christmas outreach. And what that is, is every year for the last eight years, we have provided Christmas to people, families that could otherwise not do that. But it's not about the sacrifice that you have made. It's about go and do likewise. Go and do Likewise, everything that we do when we begin to look at loving those around us, about putting action with our words, I want you to hear in your mind, go and do likewise. This religious expert looked at Jesus and said, how can I inherit eternal life? And Jesus goes through this and he says, go and do likewise. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35 says this, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. This is what this series is based on. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. And then verse 35 says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That's how they're going to know. The love that we show, the compassion that we have for those people around us, those people who are hurting, and those people who need help. It's about loving, it's about being a neighbor. Secondly, a neighbor is not just compassionate, but a neighbor is generous. A neighbor is generous. When we look at this story that Jesus told about the Good Samaritan, it says that he picked the man up, he carried him, he put him on his animal, he bandages his wounds, he poured, poured, poured oil and wine into his wounds. So not only did he just stop the bleeding, but he cleaned it as well. And then he was willing to pay into the future. He said that he gave two denarii, and then he said, anything else, anything else that I owe when I come back, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. And I promise you, Pastor Aaron had no idea what I was speaking on this morning. But he began to talk about being generous 
when we received our tithes and offering. And he began to talk about how important that it is. He said, this is how you're going to know. This is how the world's going to know. That if we have love for each other, that's what it's about, being the, the salt and the light of the earth. And this is not a sermon about getting more money for the church. Too many times we, as soon as being generous is brought up because of the stigma that the church has about just wanting your money. It's not about that at all. It is about beginning to to live a life that realizes that it's not ours anyway. It's not ours anyway. It belongs to Him. And the quicker and the faster that we can begin to realize that it's not ours, that we just manage it, and that we can become generous, not just with our money, Some of you, it's a lot easier for you just to throw money at something. There's been movies and and stories written about parents who just didn't want to spend any time with their children. They were too busy, so anytime they had a problem, they would just throw money at it. But there's more to being generous than just giving your money. Sometimes you have to be generous with your time. Sometimes you have to take time. Just like the the one that passed him by because he had something to do. He had something more important than the man laying on the side of the road bleeding to death. How many times are we guilty of that? How many times do we see someone or know a need, but we... Ain't nobody got time for that. God, you know, you, you know I have compassion, but, but I, I don't have time. I've got this going on and that going on. And, and man, around this time of the year, if I were to pull out my calendar, it's overwhelming. Almost overwhelming to the point that I don't even put anything else on it. It stresses me out. It's like, how am I going to get all this done? How am I just going to? There's nights that I go to sleep thinking, there's no way I'm going to get everything done. I need to get done tomorrow. And we become so busy that we don't have time for others. But Christ gave us an example of love. Christ gave us an example of love. First, energy. Bearing the cross took energy. It took strength. We know the story. He was so worn out and so beaten that he carried the cross as long as he could and then someone else had to carry it. He gave everything that he had. It took his time I'll tell you that he hung on the cross for many hours just giving everything that he had until his last breath 
It took time. And it also took his resources. He said the blood and the water poured out of his body. That's the example that he gave for us about being generous. He had the ability to, to bypass all of that. He was God. But he could look down throughout time and look at those people that he had walked with, and those people that were at the foot of his cross, and he had compassion. his last breath the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8 God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything more than just ready to do what needs to be done as one psalmist puts it he throws caution to the winds giving the needy giving to the needy in reckless abandon His right living, right giving ways never run out, never wear out. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more extravagant, more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you could never give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. He says that he gives to us so that we can be generous in every way. Our time, our energy, our resources. And if we're going to be a neighbor, we absolutely cannot pick and choose we have to be willing to have a compassionate and a generous love the type of love that Jesus has given us this is how the world will know my disciples that you love one another it's easy to love those people who are lovable sometimes it's much harder it's always much harder to love those who seem unlovable but when Jesus looked down didn't say, well, I'm just going to die for those who have followed me. He said, no, I'm going to die for the thief on the cross, the one that's hanging beside me. I'm going to die for those who don't deserve my love. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, once again, this was this whole series is just 
a bit different. Because it's about preparing ourselves, our hearts, and our lives, our testimony. To minister to people. So this morning, what I want to challenge you to do as we pray, I want to challenge you to look into your heart because you know yourself. person that knows you better than you know yourself is God. Look into your heart and say, am I guilty? Am I guilty of limiting my compassion? Ask yourself, am I a neighbor? Am I doing everything that I can be doing Am I giving up my time, my effort, and my resources? There's many times that David would pray, search my heart, O God. And I'm going to ask you to pray that this morning. God, search my heart. And if I'm not doing what I need to do, if I'm not being a neighbor, change me be more like you and that's a prayer that all of us should be praying on a daily basis let's pray Father I come before you this morning God I thank you for every person that is gathered here in this auditorium today God there is no doubt in my mind God that you have a calling for us God, I pray that as we begin to ask ourselves the question, not who is my neighbor, but am I a neighbor? God, help us to have the kind of love for those around us that you showed, that you displayed, that you gave. God, when people speak of Gateway Church, May the first thing that comes to their mind is that is a church who truly displays the love of God. God, not that we can receive recognition. Not that so our name can be lifted up. Not so that people will look at us, brag on us, God, may everything that we do be motivated out of the compassion that we have for people. God, may the motto of our lives be go and do likewise. God, every morning, may we challenge ourselves 
to go and do likewise. God, when we feel like that we can't give anything else, God, when we feel like that we're at the end, may we recall those four words. Go and do likewise. Father, I thank you for this group of people. God, I pray that as we continue to grow in you personally, God, that you will help us grow as a church, not only in numbers, but in compassion. God, I pray that you will help us to see. Jesus, we pray.